Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. This week, we're going to look at the separation. Masuaku rocks the blues to sleep. Wolves heartbreaking loss. And we're going to take a look at some new manager bumps. Chris, what's up, bud? Yo, what's going on, Nate? Not much, man. We're going back, uh, back in time, season, season one, up in here, just the two of us. Season one and season one point five. That's right, season one point five, the season that never finished. That is a fact. But hey, back to our OG status here now. That's right. The way we're dropping contributors, um, this season might not finish. It'll finish. It's it will. just, will we still have a neophyte by the time we're finished? That's, That's the true. His baby, his baby will be like four. <laughs> and then he'll be back. And he's going to be like, guys, I've decided not to follow the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's going to say, guys, I've decided to follow Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, gosh, we knew it. Okay. Yeah. He, it'll just be after they've won three consecutive championships and they finally lost and he'll be like all right i'm i'm gonna follow liverpool guys that's right i actually was on twitter before we started and i there's this guy that uh i don't know i don't know when he started following the premier league i don't remember what season we were in but he had he had i think he's a houston dynamo fan of the mls he hosts a podcast there and he was looking at uh, following a premier league team. And somehow he came across our podcast and we, we chatted back and forth, but I never really, um, followed up with him. And then I saw him tweet this picture of this Villa kid, like walking into Villa park for the first time with just this joy on his face. He like retweeted it. And he said, he said, me walking into, this will be me walking into Villa park for the first time. And I was like, what the hell? I like tweeted right out. <laughs> dude, did you choose Billa? He's like, yes. He's like, I've been waiting. He's like, he's like, I've been wondering when you guys would realize like, that's who, that's who I chose. I was like, you bastard, you're dead to me. <laughs> but in all serious, I am glad that people just find clubs and love them. That's all I Seriously. want from our podcast. That's all I want. Seriously, For sure. So good on you. Yeah. Good on us. Good on us. Okay. Well, let's, uh, we got a lot of premier league to talk about. But just kind of like I thought, we're probably not going to talk about the midweek matches at all. <laughs> they're just so far. They're just so there, far away. There were midweek matches. I feel weird. like forever ago. Yeah, there were. There were some midweek matches, uh, and they mattered. All of them counted. The points uh, are tabulated. But uh, let me ask you this, Nate. Because okay. who you play matter. Who you play matters. We know it that. It sure does. That's right. And we're seeing that. And we'll talk some of the separation that's happening on the table a little bit. Um and some of that, I think, is because who you play matters. But before we jump into that, uh, who you play does matter. And Chelsea played West Ham over the weekend, and West Ham won. That was a that was a very exciting game. Early early start on Saturday. I watched most of the second half while I was riding my Peloton. I propped propped the phone up and uh, made the ride go a lot quicker, and it was very exciting. Uh, very exciting match. And 
West Ham, as much as I, as I didn't think they could continue producing, uh, especially while playing in Europe have done it and they're, they're playing well. And, um, they made Chelsea pay. Yeah. Uh, impressive performance by them, especially, um, Chelsea hasn't exactly looked like world beaters the last couple weeks, by no, yep. uh, you know, that the one, one draw to United, um, and then they got Watford. So that's, you know, put the, you can bank those points essentially, unless you're United. Um, and then they lost to West Ham three, two. So the defense isn't showing up how it had been previously. So interesting to keep our eye on Chelsea at this point to see, is this a slide or is this, they're just kind of getting into the meat of the schedule, right? Dealing with the Europe games, dealing with multiple, you know, games during the week, you know, our guys getting tired and burnt out, obviously Tuchel, great coach, but he drives a very hard system that takes a lot to keep engaged with. So a lot to keep your eye on at Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, those are the things I noticed too, right? I think they'd only allowed three goals uh, until the last three matches, something like that, maybe four goals in their first like 10. And then they've allowed now five goals in the last uh, three matches. So again, you know, only one to United, but one to Watford and then three this, this weekend to West Ham. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, if some of that hard driving system, the defense just can't keep up with it. Mendy made a, uh, some errors in this match. He's usually stud back there. Um, obviously every keeper can make an error on occasion. So um yeah, no, no Mikel Antonio goals too either. Like that's who you would probably suspect would be the goal driver in that match. But, you know, Lanzini had the penalty. Jared Bowen, who's a really solid player. We don't ever talk about him, but man, is he yeah. a solid player. Yeah. Um, and then Masuaku. Masuaku's is interesting because, uh, like I said, I was watching it and um, he just kind of like – that's why I opened by saying he rocks the blues to sleep. Cause he's just kind of standing there, like kicking the ball back and forth and then just fires this shot that fools Mendy and just fires into that, that upper left-hand corner. But I was watching, uh, I don't know if it was highlights later on at some point, but, but one of the commentators said that was clearly a, a misguided cross. I was like, what? Like, how do you know? Like, I know we're watching on TV for neophytes. So maybe we're not seeing like what they're doing, but I'm like, nothing about that looks like a cross to me. It looks like a shot all the way. Am I missing something? Did you think it was a cross? And did any part of you think it was a cross? No, no. Okay. Well, at least one commentator thought it was clearly a cross and I'm sure he knows more than about soccer than I do, but um, to me, it was a shot and put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. It, it makes me think of eh, granted, I'll get to this, but in the United game over the weekend, Fred, <laughs> somehow Fred scores the game winner, uh, but Bruno Fernandez on Twitter after the game, he was doing like his quote. So he was like me, that was a cross, right? Then it was like, Alex, tell us. Yes, that was definitely a cross. And then it's like, Fred, no, that was a perfect shot, you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, 
the other match over the weekend that I wanted to highlight was Liverpool Wolves. Um, I don't know if it's just, I would, I'd love to know like what the, the broader uh, soccer world thought of that match. Um, but as a fan, it was just one of the most intense matches I've watched in a long time. Um, obviously as a Wolves fan, you're playing, one of the best teams in the world, one of the most on-form teams. Um, And so you're already heightened for a match like that. And for them to just hold them for so long, 94 minutes (laughs) to be exact. Um, And, and really like neutralize some of like Mo Salah. Um, And it wasn't like they were just getting battered, like tons of shots on goal. I mean, there, I, Liverpool had, I think, 17 shots. I think five or six were on goal, but it wasn't, it really wasn't that overpowering of a match where you're, where you're like, how is, how are Wolves staying in this? Like they really neutralized Liverpool's attack. And I think really what, what's impressive is Liverpool, I think had gone 18 matches or 19 matches in a row scoring two or more goals and Wolves were a minute away from shutting them out. And so I think that just says a lot about the way Wolves plays. Wolves didn't really have much attack. Um, there wasn't much. There was a couple like little opportunities there that that really didn't amount to almost anything. I think Wolves only had three shots on goal um, or not three shots on goal. I think three shots total. So you can tell how they played very, very defensively. But um, <laughs> And that's kind of been their situation where they're kind of back in this like early season form where they couldn't score any goals. They were, they were one minute away from having back to back to back nil, nil draws. (laughs) That's one way to get three points though. (laughs) That's one way to get three points. Yeah. So it it uh, is kind of funny because it's like, you know, the, the, you know, the feather in the cap for Nuno was the defense, right? Yeah. And when, and when you guys brought in Bruno, it was like, dude, we're going to have an aggressive attacking style. It's going to be so much more fun. And while you guys do have a better offensive cohesion, like your defense is better. For sure. And actually our defense is probably better this year than it was under Nuno. Right. And part of the, part of the situation is uh, this isn't the style of play that, that Bruno wants to play. He'd rather play four at the back. We just don't have the players for that. We might now, and that's actually the point I wanted to talk about is um, we have this French youngster, Ryan Ain't Nuri. Uh, he's been playing left back for us. Um, uh, they spoke very highly of him during the broadcast. Very well, highly. yeah, I mean, and he's been, he's played well, but really more on the attack and his defense hasn't really stood out until this match. I mean, he shut, he shut Mo Salah down. Um, the entire match, Salah couldn't do anything. He was like, I, I wish I, I should have found the stats, but he was something like nine for nine on, on tackle attempts. Um, it just felt like every time Mo had the ball, Nuri was making a great play on it. So he played amazing. And then he left with that hamstring injury. And then uh, Kajana Hoover camp comes in. And two minutes later, Sala makes that just remarkable touch, um, which 
watching the match, you see him make that touch, which you expect him to kill it. And he kicks it forward and just creates space enough for him to make that crossover to Origi um, for the goal, which again, it's like, gosh, Origi puts a shot on, it goes through like three defenders. Jose, Jose saw gets caught kind of leaning the wrong way. doesn't have enough time to react and heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss for wolves. No doubt. I did find it interesting. Like, um, the commentators talking about him pulling his hamstring and having to come out because they were like, you, you kind of want to see a young guy right now really suck it up and just play. Like, Connor Cody does that all the time. Like, he's always playing hurt. You really want to see your young guys just stick it through and play. But they're like, I guess he's not as tough as Connor Cody. He's a little soft out there. And I'm like, oh, man, that's brutal. That is brutal. Speaking of Connor Cody, he did take one right in the junk. He, he took did. he saved and that Jota he... <laughs> that Jota goal, which I mean that's a whole other thing to talk about. Jose Saw has been a star for Wolves this year. I mean, just a star. Um, I love the way he plays, but part of the when you have a sweeper keeper, part of the 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 threat or the the potential for calamity is uh when you sweep and you come out, which Jose Saw does and then runs into Sice they collide and then you have uh, Jota with a wide open goal. And I don't even know why he didn't shoot right away. Like he has basically an open goal while he's at the edge of the 18 yard box and he waits and dribbles in yeah, a little further, in. gives Kilman and Cody enough time to stand on the line. And even then he should put it away. Instead he just fires it right at Cody's nuts. <laughs> that, that did not look fun. Hey, no goal. No goal. That's right. No goal. That's no right. goal and uh well no sex for cody later yeah probably probably so disappointing loss for wolves but we knew this was going to be a tough run um didn't expect to get points from from liverpool but it's the hope that kills you for sure also want to take a look at some of these new manager bumps um we'll get to united but uh gerard with with villa They've taken six of nine points in his three matches. The, the three points they dropped was to, to City. Uh, and then Conte at Spurs drew that first match. I feel like Spurs are kind of sneaky because they have a match in hand after the Burnley snow out. But they drew that first match and then they won the next three. And so Spurs have 10 points out of their last 12 possible points. And, and they're on the come up under Conte. So uh, Kane still isn't scoring, but they're winning. So maybe they should have sold him. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, you know what I think I've learned the most about English Premier League is that the fans can be so bitter about so much all the time. Like, Dude. I used to think, like, American sports fans were harsh. Like, they hold, they don't hold a candle to the premier league fans and what they will say what they will post like they are just brutal so it's like if you're not a fan of spurs like the harry kane rips are hilarious if you're not a fan of manchester city the jack graylish rips right now are hilarious yeah totally i know it's so funny people are yeah i was thinking about that too because Again, I was looking at Twitter and someone had posted something about Newcastle. And I'm like, it's so funny how pissed. Oh, no, it was Everton. So Everton gets that win today. 
um, over Arsenal. Good hard-fought win. They really needed that. They've been struggling towards the bottom of the table and got a really hard-fought hard-fought win today. But <laughs> it was like, comment how you feel about your about your club. And they said something like, great win, sack the board. Like, it just, (laughs) you could love your team. You can be so happy about how your team's doing, but like the hatred towards ownership, which does happen here too in U.S. sports, but uh, it's, it's definitely feels deeper, deeper there. Yeah, no doubt. It's definitely more personal there. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, it's the, the longevity I think of the relationships with the clubs matters. Yeah. My, <laughs> the best is with Fred scoring this <laughs> on Sunday, he now has two goals this season, which is more than Messi has in La Liga. Oh, or, uh, and then uh, he also has more goals than Harry Kane this season. <laughs> so there's just, there's just all these like means of Fred, you know, the goat Fred is what they're starting to call him, you know, outscoring Messi and Kane. Tim and our Tim and I in our um our weekly meeting for work today, we're talking, we're looking back at some of our predictions that we'd made. And I think you and I both picked Harry Kane to lead the league in goals. So there's that. I I, I think I nailed it. I think we we nailed it. We nailed it. We nailed it. I think that was me. I think that we did the predictions before the transfer window closed. So I fully expected him to be at city. You did. And you even said that, Yeah. but I was on the record of saying they don't sell him. And I, think I know he's gonna lead the league in goals. At <laughs> well, we were both wrong. Yeah. But he does, he does have two assists. So there's mm-hmm. that. well done. Yeah. Well, tell us about United. That's the other team. I think with a new manager bump, I don't know if we can call it that it's only one, one win and one, match for for good old ralph but um they got the interim manage manager bump in in his second match so they did yeah the united's on a little bit of a roll yeah that was an interesting situation too and i didn't read up on it so luckily i don't know if anyone who listens to this is going to correct me because they just probably don't care uh but apparently carrick told the rest of the managerial staff at halftime of the Arsenal game that he was leaving. And then after the game, he told the club that was it for him. He was done. And so Carrick's not even with the team anymore. He he's gone. Oh, I didn't I don't know. That. What's that? I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I don't know if, if that was like by his own choosing or if they said, Hey, we're bringing in Ralph. We think it's probably best for you to go. I, I don't know. I didn't read up on it. Um, but yeah, Carrick is, is out, completely out. So, um, but who you play matters. We talked about it. United beat Arsenal in the midweek game. And then, um, you know, yesterday they had their match, first match with Ralph. I think it's Rainick, if we are uh, hopefully being accurate on that. Um, I'm not fully versed in my German. So, uh, but they played Crystal Palace. Like I said, Fred scored the goal, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> and all the, the shit that the guys talk about him afterwards is just hilarious. Like even they gave it to him, but he made like a really pretty goal, but it was just hilarious to see everyone being like, Oh, that was a cross, right? Like you were trying to cross that, but it just went <laughs> into the back of the corner of the net. Right. Like That's just funny. funny. 
and, and you know, and then on, in, on in Wednesday's match, it was the ultimate Fred match, like a half of disaster. He's the reason they gave up an early goal. Turnovers galore, bad fouls galore, horrible passes. And then he draws the penalty that gets it to even. And then they go on and win it at the end. Like it was the classic, like the ultimate Fred match was that Arsenal match. And then in this one, you know, he gets that goal. The ball gets passed to him and he buries it. So good on him. Um, a Here's lot the of thing. If he keeps playing, like you can't expect Ralph to make a lot of changes like this early on, but if Fred keeps playing, are you prepared to admit that he must be really good? He must be really good on the practice field. <laughs> it's That's so the true. only thing I can figure out. Like the naked pictures of Ole is now gone. I mean, There's unless no, he's yeah. Gonna, Unless he has a war chest of Ralph pictures as well to go with it. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I mean, like, look, you've seen some United games and you know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not making For this sure. stuff up. No, and I have no not. desire to dislike any of our players. And it's not like I dislike Fred. Like, he's just not that good. Um, but I do think he's probably going to play a lot uh, with Pogba's injury. So yeah, that's until true. Pogba comes about. Um, you know, you've got three guys there in the middle between McTominay, Fred, and Donny Vandebeek. And it's probably time to to either get Donny in the game and let's see if he can play in this style and system, or you know, they're gonna need to transfer him out in January because if he continues to sit under Ralph, it's gonna be a problem, like just personally for him. Yeah, he's he's clearly already frustrated with with Ole and all that stuff. So It'll be interesting, you know, with Pogba being out, you got three guys in the middle to play two spots. Um, the biggest change with with Ralph was he runs a 4-2-2-2. And so uh, they do a high press, which he had said, you know, hey, look, we've had one practice so far. So there's not like I don't expect it to be amazing, um, but and they're going to get tired really quickly because it's so demanding. Um, but this is the system we're going to play. And when they came out, you know, they ran the four, two, two, two with a high press and it worked really well early. They controlled the ball. They dominated possession early for like the first 30 minutes. And then you could kind of see a drop off and like a, you know, a very tiresome play come. So going into half nil, nil, um, playing good defense though, which is good, good to see. Cause we haven't seen that in quite some time. So, and the more impressive part was Harry Maguire was even on the pitch for that good defense. It was wow. crazy. That yeah. is amazing. Um, supposedly, uh, Varane is supposed to be coming back either this weekend or next. So it'll be interesting to see what choice they make because Lindelof's out playing Maguire right now, but Maguire is the captain still. And yep. I don't think they're going to bench the captain to bring Varane back. I think Lindelof probably ends up sitting, even though he doesn't deserve to. So yeah. some interesting choices to come, but you know, United played okay. They played really good defense. Um, you could tell they were much more organized. Um, and there was a lot of shuffling. I think I, what I like about the 2-2-2 is there's a lot of shuffling there. Like, the two up front could, could circle back, and the two who went back came forward. And when you have guys like Bruno and, you know, Rashford and Ronaldo, like you can run that system really well because you just you're never losing pace, you're never losing quality from those guys. Yeah. But I 
I'm really excited for is the potential of the Cavani Ronaldo <laughs> duo up front, which would just be amazing. Like I just might die and go to heaven if that ever happens. Cause that'd be so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good weekend. It's just good to be back on track. Like I've always said, I don't care who's managing. I, at the end of the day, I don't care who's playing. Like I just want to win. And so wins and getting three points was awesome this week. That's great. Yeah. Well, and those three points are helping get United back towards the top. Um, it was interesting because after the midweek matches, the the table was really congested. Uh, two points separating the top three. Uh, there was only five points separating four through 10. And then three points separating 11 through 17. But all it took was one weekend to kind of reshuffle that back and really create a lot of separation. And I think that's what we'll see, you know, come January 1st, I think we're going to see some pretty big gaps here and uh, December is going to shake out, you know, the, the cream will rise to the top. We'll see some teams fall. We'll see some teams that maybe were lower than we expected, like Spurs potentially getting back in there. wolves who are maybe playing a little bit above their weight will probably be more towards the middle of the table, but the, the top, the, the top three, uh, still only two points separating them. They're, they're really running away with stuff. Um, and I, it'll be hard even for United, a team like United with that much talent, it's going to be hard for them to, to catch them. But fourth place seems to be up for grabs. There's, there's now eight points though, separating, uh, 11, 11th through or fourth through 11th. Um, but United only three points off that, off that pace. Wolves had only been three points off not too long ago, and now we're six back. So just shows how quickly things, things can change. Um, and then 12th through 15, there's five points separating Everton, who got that huge win today, um, five points separating them from Watford, and then Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich all sit tied with 10 points a piece goal differential separating them all and Burnley with a game in hand. So uh, a Burnley victory, which isn't uh, guaranteed against Spurs uh, would see them move to, to 17th. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. My prediction of Southampton, new Ca- uh, Burnley, Norwich, Southampton starting to fall back down. So that's, that's my hope. I actually, yeah, you, I think I dropped 10 bucks on that to start the season. <laughs> so, and I think it would pay like 500 or something. So I'm definitely rooting for Southampton, uh, Burnley and Norwich to go down for per- my personal gain. Financial purposes only, not for fandom and people out there who might be rooting those teams on. No, actually two of my favorite all-time guests are from S- Southampton and Burnley supporters. Right. So. Yeah, no doubt. Is it weird that I keep hitting refresh on my tab thinking that when it refreshes Spurs will be lower than fifth? Like <laughs> it's just in my head, them sitting in fifth right now, just, it doesn't feel right. It's weird. It doesn't. And they've got a game in hand. So if they beat Burnley in that game in hand, they're actually in fourth. So right. that's got to make right. you feel worse. So don't refresh yeah. it too much. Yeah, that's crazy. But, and at the same time, Man United sitting in sixth after just <laughs> the complete piss poor run that they went on is, is mind blowing as well. And, you know, all it takes is, you know, really two bad games from those top three to kind of create a race in any sort of way. So, but I think it is 
relatively clear at this point. Like City, Liverpool, Chelsea, they're going to run away with the top three more than likely. And so it is going to be a fun battle for fourth. Well, and the problem is you have to have three teams have a bad run of form, right? It's one if there's one team kind of running away with it or even two. But for three, even if one of them goes on a bad run of form, you've got the other two. I mean, in some ways you could say Chelsea's in a poor, like in poor form right now. And they're still in third, two points off the pace, right? And so um, it's going to take a lot. And there's still certainly a lot of season left, but a lot's going to have to happen to really probably allow anyone else in in that running. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, other than the one spot, I don't care where you finish second, third, or fourth. Like, no, it's it just getting matter. to there, right? And so yeah. the, the team that finishes in fourth, to me, mentally, is no different than the team that finishes in second. So, you know, unless you're grabbing that trophy in the one hole, get to second, third, or fourth. Who cares where you finish? I don't want a trophy anywhere near my one hole. Um, but That's not what you said last night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is, this is going downhill. Um, I wanted to also... Uh, we have kind of a new segment, Knowing is Half the Battle. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. I wanted to just bring to our attention, I don't know if you noticed in the match, the applause at the six-minute mark in the Manchester United or any of the matches. Did you notice the kind of standing ovation applause no. at the six-minute mark? No. So, no, I mean, this is really like horrific and tragic story, but uh, this kid, Arthur Labinho Hughes, uh, little six-year-old kid was, was murdered by his stepmom or his dad's girlfriend and him like complete neglect. It was a huge story all around England. And, uh, the couple was found guilty, I think this past week. And so there was this grassroots effort to get all of the premier league clubs to do a, an applause at the six minute for this little kid, like kind mm. of honor his, his life. And I found a couple, I mean, obviously like the story alone, tragic, beautiful, beautiful sentiment by, by the fans across the premier league one to just rally it. Like I, I saw like some of my wolf supporters were kind of going at it from a grassroots standpoint. And then Within the day, Wolves official uh, Twitter had tweeted out that they were going to do that. And I think that happened. It obviously happened across the Premier League because I saw it, I think, at every match I watched. Um, So just kind of interesting. But what it brings up is I don't we don't do this in American sports. There's nothing. We'll do like moments of silence, right? Like for kind of a national tragedy. But can you think of any equivalent? kind of where at a certain like minute mark of a match, we would do something to kind of point out. I don't know. Have, I, do you, can you think of an equivalent? No. We don't it's, do like this, su- right? it's super simple for me to answer that. And, and especially in recent times, like we're too fractured of a country and, a, and as people, to like really come together and do something like that because for every great cause and every great reason that we could do that there's a opposite side of the coin that will hate it as equally much as it could be loved and it does and it's just it's mind-blowing and it's sad to me at the same time like 
Yeah. You know, I mean, it goes back to the Kaepernick stuff and taking a knee. And it's like, if you listen to him and why he was doing it and, and what he said his protest was about, it's something that you, most people should be getting behind. And I shouldn't even say most people, like we should care about the lives of everybody. And so if there's a minority group that's being oppressed, like, why don't we care for them? But we couldn't get behind that, right? We had to make it about whatever, you know, someone else wanted to make it about. We had to make it about whatever the media told us to make it about. We had to make it about whatever the president told us what it was about, not what the actual person protesting said it was for. And so I think we're just too fractured as a nation to ever come together and do something like that. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this thing is, I think and sorry to get so political on that one. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. That's okay. I just, th- I think too, I, I agree with you. I think it would be hard to even the death of a six-year-old child would probably be politicized in some way. Right. Like um, we can't even get behind the fact that we should be mourning these students in Michigan who were shot by a school shooter this weekend. Right. Like we have to make it some kind of political argument. We have to find something and it's yeah. like, no, like lives were lost. Like we need to care about that. Like, why can't we get behind that? Yeah. I think what's interesting to me about it is the grassroots nature of it. Cause you'll see it within clubs where, you know, someone will, there's been a longtime supporter of the club, you know, he dies at 65 and there'll be kind of a grassroots movement. Like, Hey, at the 65th minute, will you, you know, would, can, can everyone stand and give an applause for my dad who died? He was a longtime Wolves fan, you know, like, I've seen that handful of times um, over the last few years. And I just think it's so unique compared to um, sport, like American sports. While certainly there's people who are at every match, every son's like game, it's not quite as fervent of a love. And here in Phoenix, especially the Suns are probably, they probably do have the deepest and strongest fan base uh, because of how long they've been in the city, but, um, it's just not the same as hundred, 120 year old clubs, right? Sons are what, yeah, for sure. old, right? So it's different. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It is. It's different. And the premier league and it just has, it, it just has that family feel to so much of it. Like even, even being a, you know, Manchester United supporter, one of the biggest clubs in the world with millions and millions of fans all over the place. Like it's still, when you get down to the roots of it, there's a very large family community that just cares about the club passionately and deeply. Totally. Well, let's move on to red cards. All of those matches that happened this, this week, midweek, there was one. And it actually happened in the first match, I think, of the, of the, of the week. It was the, the Newcastle Norwich match. I'd almost forgot about it. I was doing research before and I was like, I don't think there were any red cards. And then I remembered in the 10th minute, Kieran Clark uh, denies Pookie a goal scoring opportunity, gets a red and is sent off. And uh, there it is. So there's our red card for the week. Um, in that match, Newcastle ended up going up one nil, even though they were 10 man or uh, they were one man down. And then Norwich scored at the end um, to to equalize. So, yeah, it was kind of fun while it lasted. Norwich got out of twentieth there for a couple of hours, so it was fun to have them out of the out of the cellar. But they're right back there right now. Don't worry, they're back there. But man, the fact that they've drawn 
close that in points, at least with Burnley and Newcastle is something to say. I didn't, they have the same amount of wins as Burnley and Newcastle combined. So there's something to say about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, they, they've taken eight points out of the last 15, which is really good for them. Yeah. So maybe they can find some magic there and we can keep getting some pookie goals. And we look at a team like Watford that had played so well, they had that little run where they kind of made it almost mid table and they've just fallen off. They've fallen off Southampton. I think a little bit too, they've drawn their last two, but Crystal Palace, another team who was playing really well for a while has lost three in a row. So again, we're seeing like a bit of a regression um, and it'll be fun to look once we get to the midway point to see uh, where, where the table sits and we'll have a much better idea of where, where teams are going to land. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of Norwich, uh, we have two Americans that are playing. Both Pulisic and Sargent. Pulisic started, I think, the midweek match. He came in as a sub towards the end of the West Ham match. Uh, Sargent, I mean, let's just be honest. Norwich isn't scoring a lot of goals, um, and Sargent is not one of them. I really, I he's got to open his account soon. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for that for his sake. Um, but man, I mean, Wolves, Wolves are. Uh, pretty horrible at scoring goals as well, but um, Norwich with eight in 15 matches. Not good. Not good. Uh, I wanted to bring up, I was watching, this isn't hair watch. This isn't, I, I don't know, fashion watch. I don't know. Well, I was watching Arsenal Everton today and a couple things stood out to me. First, Tierney for Arsenal appear, I couldn't, it looked like he had a belt on like a baseball. <laughs> there was like a, it looked like there was like blue around his waist. And I had searched for images. I haven't been able to find, I need to like go back and watch some highlights or watch extended highlights of that match to figure out what was going on. So then I was like searching on Arsenal's website to see their soccer shorts to see, because the reason I noticed it is because tyranny tucks in his, his shirt which there's just not a lot of premier league players who do it, but tyranny does. So then it made me think, do they have like blue on like the waist of their, their, uh, their shorts? I can't find it. Uh, Chris, if you can find it or anyone out there knows what's going on with that. But, but the bigger thing from a fashion side is tyranny, tyranny tucks in his top. It looks ridiculous. (laughs) It just flows off the tongue, though. It sounds so good. Tierney tucks to stop. Tierney tucks to stop. The triple T. What more do you want? Would you go high socks or low socks, Chris, if you were playing? Um, I mean, they got to cover your shin guard, so it's, it's right. not like you can wear an- ankle socks. But I would go. I would go lower socks. Lower. Yeah. Um. But you'd you'd be untucked for sure, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, I don't like tucking shirts in at all. And this is coming from someone who tucks his shirt in five days a week into his dress trousers when I go to work every day. <clears throat> like nothing. Call them trousers, by the way. That's very impressive. You like that? <laughs> I do. I know my audience, Nathan. There you go. Well, they're um, mostly Americans, but I get you. <laughs> but um, I, I'm a relatively like I have my own style. 
and I'm not going to say it's cool. It's whatever. Like it's my style and it adapts, but like, I'm very into like streetwear culture and shoes and, and that stuff. And, and so, you know, I have what I deem as like, what looks good, what doesn't. And let me tell you something that always looks bad tucked in shirts. It's just, (laughs) unless it's a unless you're like in full suit like which is kind of like i have to wear dress clothes every day so it's it's understandable because that's how that runs but like i have a buddy who will rename remain nameless on this podcast who will tuck in everything into his jeans and i'm like dude i love you but you look like the biggest nerd right now untuck your freaking shirt and it doesn't matter to me whether it's a golf polo doesn't matter whether it's a you know a t-shirt don't tuck anything into your jeans ever that's my rule it's a good rule i hate tucking my shirt in yeah um goal of the week we already talked about the masuaku one um i think it's a shot i don't care if it's if some commentator thinks it's a cross but to me and i to be honest i didn't see every goal of this like double match week but the damari gray goal today was just a was um, an amazing strike but for like for what it was he kind of he kicks the ball around one defender then kind of hesitates and kicks around another defender and then just puts a strike on from from way deep off the post and in but i i was shocked i did not see it coming i was not expecting it so i think that's part of the reason like it stands out to me so much but then also i think the importance of the goal for everton to get three points to kind of stop this horrible run. Um, Richarlison had the one goal hat trick. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. He had the one goal hat trick. He had two goals called off for offsides, <laughs> disallowed for offsides. And they were so marginal. They were probably right, but they were so marginal. Um, and so for gray to get that goal after all that heartbreak for them, um, for Everton, that was, that was really a good goal. Yeah, I actually agree. <clears throat> that gray goal was, was super sick. I mean, the timing of it and then the move, the move he makes to get it off. And like, we've talked about it. If you hit a post and that ball ricochets, like that's just the sickest goal you can hit, whether it's totally. cross bar, top bar, side bars, hit a bar. It looks amazing. We didn't talk about that with the midweek Wolves match, but Wolves drew one nil-nil to Burnley and Treore should have passed. I was so pissed. I I literally yelled pass because he was it was two on one and Raul was coming down his flank. And but Treore shot it and just I mean it dented the crossbar. He hit it so hard, but it bounced out and didn't go in. So it sucked. Um Damari Gray did have a very successful knee slide after that goal. <laughs> He's the one earlier in the year who like tried to knee slide and just crumbled his knees. My baby's all grown up. He's all grown up. So he's, he's perfected that, that, uh, that celebration, but those aren't, that wasn't the best celebration in my opinion. Uh, Rafinha in the midweek match after his penalty, he did this beautiful little dance to the camera. It was really nice. Um, but then Richarlison after his goal that actually counted, he was running down 
holding his hand up like with the offsides flag going up trolling trolling the assistant referee i love it that's funny fred had a really good uh celebration too on his he did an airplane dive and then got up and did like a carnival dance with uh alex tellus that was pretty funny oh that's a great that's great love it love the creativity well we have some lock it ins to review um I had a three-match slide. I had West Ham over Brighton, which they drew midweek, but then I got back on the winning side with United over Crystal Palace. That brings me to 11-3. and You're welcome, by the way. What's that? You're welcome. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Tim went two for two. He closed the gap on me. He had a Liverpool double, Liverpool over Everton, which we didn't even talk about Liverpool demoralizing crushing of the Everton hearts in the Merseyside Derby. Uh, he had Liverton over Ever- or Liverpool over Everton. And then he barely squeaked out the Liverpool over Wolves win. that brings him to 10 and four, Tim, Mr. Consistent is only one game behind me. Uh, Chris, you drew Lester Southampton. So you do not get a win for that, but you did take city over Watford. That brings you to six and eight. And Kemi had City over Villa midweek, and he also picked Arsenal over Everton. So he got the loss there. So he is at five and nine. So the standings stay the same, but we do get a bit of uh, narrowing of the gap, at least between one and two. Chris, you've moved solely into uh, third place. Well done there. Um, Who do you have for your pick this week? Yeah. Um, so I know I said last week I was getting back to my roots and what brought me back last year and getting on the city bus, but city plays wolves this, this week. And I know most people would go, well, keep picking city then, but wolves have always been a very tough matchup for city. It's not a guarantee. And out of my respect for Bruno ball and the boys at Wolverhampton, this week I'm getting off the city bus for a week and I am going to take Chelsea over Leeds. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Uh, no one actually took city over wolves. So wolves, wolves uh, battling against Liverpool, put a little fear into the rest of our contributors. Kemi chimed in with a very bold, as always Southampton over Arsenal. Um, Tim, is taking Liverpool. He's going three weeks in a row, Liverpool, Liverpool over Villa. And that left me with Arsenal over Southampton. I am spitting into Kemi's face with my choice. (laughs) And for the record, my first initial thought was to take Liverpool over Villa, but coming up this weekend, and I know we're about to talk about it. So yeah, go talk about it being our match of the week. Liverpool versus Villa is really interesting. It is Steven Gerrard returning to manage against the club that he, you know, loved and died for. And so it's going to be really cool to see him back at our, or at uh, Anfield. And uh, it should be an interesting match. Villa has been playing really well under him. So they got that managerial bump. So let's see if it can carry him to a victory. Yeah, that'll be a really fun one to watch. Uh, I will be highly caffeinated by that point. Emily will be at work. She's doing a wedding this weekend. 
And so I will be highly caffeinated because Wolves play City at 5.30, which I also, like you said, I think it should be an interesting match. Um, by no means do I think Wolves will will get a point at this at, away um, at the Etihad, but like you, like you mentioned, Wolves have played City well. And all season, Wolves, some of Wolves' best performances have been against the top clubs. And so um, I'm hopeful for that. Again, no expectation for points. City's in unbelievable form. It's at the head. Of head. So, um, but I do think it'll be a fun one to watch. So I'll be up early Saturday morning to watch that. Um, and then we have champions league matches this week. I had no idea. And I was scrolling through my ESPN app and I was like, what is champions league this week? So, uh, that should be interesting. United is already secure and through. Yeah. United with their win over Villarreal, uh, two weeks ago, actually secured their spot in the knockout round, which is cool because there's still two matches left and they, they don't mean anything at this point. This is the last one. Oh, this is it? Stage. Yeah, they've. this will be the sixth. Oh, okay. So, Sorry. Yep. But it doesn't mean anything. So hopefully, it'll be interesting. Does Does Ralph use this to kind of implement more of his system and get his guys kind of more conditioned into playing how he wants them to? Or does he use it as a week off and prepare for the weekend match that means something versus this match, which doesn't? Um, also, one thing I love, and we've talked about it, but we haven't talked about it lately. Champions League, you get five substitutions. So maybe he goes a little bit of both. Maybe he runs his guys out there for a little bit and, and uses all five substitutions um, so that they do get a break as well. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't know how they, I don't know what the importance is of winning. I know that if you win your, your group, you get drawn against the second place team. I'm pretty sure you get drawn against the second place team from another group. So I don't know how much that factors in because because I think Villarreal could still jump if man if United loses and Villarreal wins. So yeah, so they're up three points, uh, but only a plus one in goal differential. Yeah, and I think that that's the deciding factor, right? I think so. Even too. though United's beat beat them twice in that group round, I think if they draw, it goes to, to goal differential. I think so too. So it'll be interesting to see. I need to do a little research because I'll probably put some bets on a couple matches tomorrow, but I don't want to bet on a team that should win if they're going to be resting all their, all their, their stars. So, so champions league midweek, and then we're back full force uh, on the weekend. And then it will be fast and furious after the weekend with lots of midweek matches through the holidays. So it should be, should be fun. Awesome. I love it. Love it. I love it. All right, man. Good what, work what, today, what are you going with? Are you, are you happy or do you still want, want them out? Oh, there is no question. Allow there never not to be a doubt in your mind. The Glazers need to be out. All right. Glazers out. Okay.